Welcome. It is my favorite holiday, and that is Halloween. This is The Awakened Soul, and we are here for a special episode. Uh, if on this episode, you're going to hear a conversation between me, Colin Wysong, and Fame Black on our top five horror movies of all time. It's personal, not getting into numbers, ratings, or anything like that. It's just a personal list of our top five horror movies. And weaving in throughout this episode, you're going to hear horror stories from some of my podcast family not really horror stories but scary stories um just moments in their life real life moments that happened that were some of their most terrifying some of it's related to just everyday life stuff crazy events some of it's linked to them watching a horror movie it's a definitely good episode fun episode um wanted to do something special for what i said like i said it's my favorite holiday of the year so i hope you guys enjoy this one we're going to get into the intro music on the other side of that we're going to start our discussion with the top five horror movies of all time. All right, so we're getting ready to get into an episode for my favorite holiday of the year. Fuck Christmas, fuck fuck Thanksgiving, all that bullshit. I love Halloween. A, because I love horror movies, and B, because as a kid growing up, literally it was my goal to scare the shit out of my sisters as best as I can all year round. So I've always, always loved Halloween. Um, but ladies and gentlemen, this for this very special episode, I have two equally special guests. First, we got Colin Wysong in the building, host of Cage Town and months other podcasts. Colin, what's going on? Now, what's going on today, Hayes? Uh, just 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 getting ready getting ready for me because i'm gonna scare the crap out of my kids people at work i got all types of stuff planned but like i said this is this is my holiday of fame what's going on with you man oh and hold on let me introduce you right we got the snapchat okay. extraordinaire himself the itch you need to get host of the in beta podcast as well as blue zone fame black what's going on Oh man, that's like the best intro of 2017. I, I don't even know how what to say to that. I feel like a pale in comparison to the introduction. But <laughs> Halloween is my second favorite holiday, right after Fame Day. It is one of the greatest. I wouldn't say fuck Christmas because that's third, but fuck Thanksgiving. It doesn't make any sense, and we shouldn't celebrate it at all. Halloween is the greatest. Exactly. Thank you. I'm glad. I'm glad somebody else is right right there I'm along feeling, with I'm, me. I feel great about Halloween. I I I love what tomorrow is going to bring for me personally. Exactly. Yeah, I've always been a big fan of Halloween too. Like my mom used to decorate the house. Like my mom was one of those parents that every holiday she decorated the house and Halloween was one of those days where they had everything out in the yard. The windows had shit on them. Our house was full of shit. Like I mean, you would just walk in there and you felt like you were in a haunted house. Yeah. I I always love those. I love the haunted houses that people set up in the garage. Like it, nowadays, you couldn't do that cuz if somebody set up a, a haunted house in the garage, they'll just be labeled as maybe a a pedophile or god knows what other kind of creep. Um but uh yeah, it's just Halloween has always been that that time. Like I love I love fall too on top of that. So like fall ushering in the Halloween season, scary movies, like it, it just, it's all, all right up my alley. But for this episode, for this Halloween episode, I, I thought of what I wanted to do. I, I kicked around the idea of doing a what the meaning of Halloween really is, but then I thought, you know what? 
that, that's a little too heavy. Let's have fun with it. So we're here to discuss our respective list of the top five horror movies of all time. This is completely subjective. We're not getting into box office. We're not getting into actors. None of that shit. This is just strictly what our favorite horror movies are. Are you guys ready to get into this? Absolutely. Oh yeah, definitely. Rolling right, up let- as we speak. <laughs> so I'm gonna just, I'm gonna kick this one off. I'm gonna kick it off with my honorable mention. It didn't quite crack my top five, um, and a big part of that maybe is due with some of the sequels just suck so bad. But for my honorable mention, I had I had to put Paranormal Activity on the list. A it kicked mm. off the whole found footage genre. Well, not really kicked it off. I guess that's more for the Blair Witch Project. But I think it, it refined a lot of that. That for, those first three were probably some of the my favorite horror movies. Of recent memory so for my honorable mention it's definitely paranormal activity colin what about you um oh there's a bunch uh scream probably is is one of my honorable mentions um just because uh it was kind of like a new era um thriller horror movie for for us to watch um i just remember that growing up fondly and and one of the scary stories that will possibly be shared on this show i don't know if you got that one happened while i was watching the movie scream um so yeah that's that's my honorable mention there cool cool what about you fan um i'm gonna go well you know a lot of people when we do top five lists a lot of people take honorable mention as that's number six honorable mention for me my list is based off of what i was doing and what was happening as i was watching it and how i feel when i go back to watch it again so my honorable mention uh has got to be the sixth sense because it, it it'll never it'll never deliver the same thrill as the first time you watch it because you know what the twist is and if you don't spoilers Bruce Willis is dead. <laughs> but if you didn't know, it's really like intense. It's 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 got a child in it. He's weird. That's a qualification of creepy right there. It it it, it made me feel like oh man, and it's still like marketable to this day. People still do that. I see dead people. Like it's a big, it's it's a a big cultural thing, and it's M Night M Night Shyamalan's first big twist that actually worked before he got a little redundant with it. So it 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 was really good. It was really scary, and it always stuck with me, man. I like that. I actually you love know, that pick. Who, yeah. Who are you yeah. talking to? Yeah, that's a day? good. That's a good pick. Yeah, and, and I do have to mention. Um... It gets shit on now because <laughs> it's like, you know, been parodied to death and everything. But it was it, when it came out, it was scary. Oh yeah, it was it was a great movie, and I remember um, me watch. That was the first movie, no shit, that I ever saw in the movie theater by myself as a teenager. Like I just, my parents I think were getting on my nerves. I'm like, fuck it, I'm going to the movies, and I was sitting sitting there and watched The Sixth Sense, and yeah, I, I'll just never forget that. Um, but I do want to mention, who's to see The Sixth Sense by himself? Do, you don't understand, like. I have been watching horror movies since I was five years old, and that was uh, Night of the Living Dead. I never forget it. I was walking in my parents' room. They were like, you you may not want to stay in here. We're watching a scary movie. I flopped my ass down. I, I was eating popcorn, and I just sat there and watched the whole movie. I'm like, you know what? This is pretty cool. And then my mom was like, well, you know, one of these days you should watch uh, The Exorcist, which we'll talk about a little bit later because it's definitely on my list. And I have a funny story to share there. Um, But I do want to mention, I want to ask this before we we move on. Get Out. I don't know. Some people categorize it as horror. I I, I think both of you guys have seen it. But does that is that anywhere on your list at all? And if not, um, do you guys think that over time it may creep up there? Because for me, I just don't consider it a horror movie. But, you know, that's just me. What about you guys? 
was it a they, hard, was it a horror movie or was it like the insight into black people? I thought it was a documentary. <laughs> I'm sorry, I, I didn't look at it like a hard. I mean, it was scary, but that's just being black in America. No, I um, I really, I I, I consider it just a great movie. I don't even think of like, oh, I'm scared. I just look at it. I, I couldn't take my eyes off the screen, but never in a, in fear. I, it don't give exactly. me the same feeling as horror. Yeah, I so I never, I never could look it. at it that way. You've yet to see I have it? yet to see it. No, I have yet to see it, but I love everything that like Key and Peel do. Like Keanu was good. Their show was good. Uh, Jordan Peele is hilarious. And and I mean, like usually these really funny guys can be really serious. Uh, I mean, just look at Bill Murray. So like yeah. him being able to sit down and write this movie. Uh, I mean, I've heard nothing but great things about it. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. But let, let's move on. Let's go ahead and get into our number five. Colin, I'm going to come to you first on this one. What movie made it to your number five? All right. So I have a tie at number five. Um, only because I can't put either one of these guys over each other. Um, the, the Nightmare on Elm Street, the first one, and, well, actually, the second person's not even in this movie until the end, spoiler alert, um, Friday the 13th. Um, both these movies, they kicked off genres. Um, Friday the 13th, for me, um, you watch this whole movie, Jason's not even in the movie, you know, uh, spoiler alert, his mom is killing everyone. Kevin Bacon's in it. I mean, it's a great sit-down, watch it, starts the whole genre of Jason and Friday the 13th. Same with Nightmare on Elm Street. It just kicks off the genre. It was it was really serious compared to all the other sequels to what they did. And they got hokey and corny with it. Um, people had special powers to try to fight Freddy. Um, the very first Nightmare on Elm Street was the probably the best one out of all the series. Just hands down. I My brother used to work at a video store. And we used to be able to rent videos for free that were more than a couple years old. And I literally... Nightmare on Elm Street 1, all the way to the to the last one. Friday the 13th, the first one, all the way to the last one. I mean, I've watched so many movies just because of my brother working at that movie theater, or the movie store. So, okay, and so Nightmare on Elm Street is your number five, or is it It's Friday a tie. The Nightmare on Elm Street time? and Friday the 13th. I like it. They, they kind of go hand in hand. I like that a lot. Fame, what's yeah. your number five? Number five is going to be something that a lot of people don't remember. A lot of people haven't seen. A lot of people don't aren't familiar with. There's no real like parody of the situation. But number five for me would be Mr. Brooks. It's uh, it's got Dane Cook in it. That should let you know how like kind of low brow it is. But Kevin Costner is a serial killer, and he's like an everyday man. And it's it's thrilling to see how he goes about his uh his serial killer ways. Kind of like not you know not empathetic of anything it's it's very scary to see how cool and calm and collected he is and then to see him with other people like oh yeah hey marshall we're gonna do lunch on tuesday like it was very it was very approachable in the sense that like it it made you feel like the serial killer could be the man next door that you know that you're familiar with which is how serial killers work so it always stuck with me it always left a mark on me so that's why number five would be mr brooks a funny thing about Mr. Brooks, he wasn't even your average man. He was like one of the most philanthropic like and respected people in the community, and he was the serial killer. Yeah, yeah. even better. Yeah, he he was rich. He missed Monopoly over there. And th- that on top of Kevin Costner is a great actor. Like Kevin Costner is amazing. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I've watched that. I don't think I've watched it since it first came out, but I do have fond memories of that movie. My number five, and it, it, it crept in here. A you know, a lot of, there's a lot of old school horror movies on my list, but this movie crept in here a because I think it, the first one at least was so unique, and that saw that twist at the end 
completely threw me for a loop and you know a lot of people because the saw movies did get more and more into torture porn the first one while it was gory i didn't think it was just torture porn there was a lot of a lot of thinking uh that you had to do in that movie and and i I, there was a lot of like like i said it kept you thinking it made you think well who is this killer what was going to happen next and i like the way that they intertwine all the stories together um and like i said in that first one i think the first three in my opinion were really good but that first one i love that movie so much and still to this day i watch it uh what do you what are you guys thoughts on the movie saw I agree with you. Um, and similar to the Nightmare on Elm Street stuff, the first couple movies are good and serious that you can take, and then they just get hokey. And they just make it murder porn, like what you said. Um, and even even the new Jigsaw movie, um, it looks like it's it's murder porn again too. Yeah, I haven't I haven't seen the new one yet, and you know honestly, I, I don't really have an interest. It too, which is weird, but since you know the first one made my top five of all time, but yeah, it just got way too hokey. Fame, you with us? Ah, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm here. I uh, I walked outside and lost my connection. But um, as far as Saw goes, I I, I want to speak on it more later because it's a little bit higher up on my list than than yours. Oh, I respect it. I respect it. All right, so we'll hold we'll hold off on that one, and I'll go ahead and get into my number four. Um, my number four is Scream. And it it honestly almost made it higher on this list, but some of the stuff with nostalgia just kept it from getting higher. But I think Scream, for a lot of what Colin said beforehand, the fact that how meta it was, how aware of itself in the genre it was, and I think a lot of that go- gets missed by by some people that how smart of a movie that was, and how they played with a lot of the horror movie tropes. Um, the fact that they had Drew Barrymore highlighted front and center on the poster and was the first person to die i don't really can't really think of another movie except psycho who did that with a star that was such a big name star and uh i just think that that was right there it's it lets you know you were in for something different i just think it was a much smarter movie than a lot of people give it credit for hey i don't mean to interrupt you but was samuel l jackson on the cover of the deep blue sea see on the poster he yeah, but he, but he didn't die in the first. I mean, he died, but he died way. It was it was pretty far. I think they were into the second act. I just mean as far as like the first person dead. I got you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, but Samuel Jackson definitely was on that poster. That and that's that's one of my funniest movie scenes ever. He gets that long ass <laughs> speech and then immediately gets bit <laughs> by the shark. I just think that was hilarious. Fame, what's your number four? My number four is. Uh an Asian movie that I, I got, actually got re- recommended from uh, you know, every Halloween. I like to watch um, Bravo's hundred scary movie moments. It's like a five day thing. Um, I don't even know if they still do it. I didn't do it this year, but when I was big on it, num- in the top 10 was audition, uh, just a scene from audition. And I watched that movie. Holy shit. That makes me afraid to date people. <laughs> and I don't know. I don't know who's seen it, who hasn't seen it. Uh, basic plot summary is, is, is this girl is auditioning to be the wife of a man. And turns out she's got a terrible, terrible secret. We're talking about horror movies. I'll let you guess what the secret is. But man, I was stunned. And the violence, especially because, you know, I'm I'm really kind of cheating because Asian horror and American horror are two completely different things. And the violence and the gore and what they can do and what they will do has no bounds. And yeah, they proved it in that movie. Yeah, I I was, I thought you were getting ready to say. I thought you were getting ready to say Train to Busan, which is, I don't even, uh, that's a horror movie too, but that, that's a great movie. But Audition, I have seen, and I will say I've never been afraider of a sexy Asian woman than I have been in the movie Audition. Only Oscar. 
<laughs> I'm scared of her for a whole completely different reasons, though. That's different. <laughs> Go ahead, Colin. Um, for me, uh, number four would be Night of the Living Dead, um, the 1968 version. Um, the black and white, just the for the envelopes that it pushed, the things that it did. Um, it was probably, I mean. It started the George A. Romero's fame as one of the best zombie directors um, in the game. And I know you you didn't want us to get to talk at box office and everything like that, but for a movie that was shot in 1968 for $114,000, it made $30 million globally, Com- like crushing it 150 times what it was shot for. I mean, a movie in 1968 like that, especially having a, a black or an African-American as the lead role and main star of the film, that was huge. Absolutely. Hasn't been done since Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Night of the Living Dead is just an amazing movie. Um, I love, I love Night of the Living Dead. And you know something was crazy? Like zombie movies are not my thing. Like even like the fast paced zombies. I don't know if anybody has this. I don't spoil it. But like twenty eight days later with the faster paced zombies, I'm still not interested. I like like zombies are kind of easy to defeat in my opinion because they're slow. They lack the brain power, and. Um, and but this movie I like. I'm big. I'm big on this movie because it was fun. It's fun to watch. It's, it's and, and you go back and you watch all the practical effects and you're like, oh man, I could do that. How did they think to do that back then? That's amazing. It's great. It's a great yeah. movie. Yeah, George A. Romero. Like he's he's the godfather of of the zombie. I mean, he, he really is. Um, and then the makeup artist. Uh, I think. I don't know if it's the same makeup artist as who did some of his movies later on. Tom Savini. I'm not sure if he was on the Night of the Living Dead, but what he's been able to do with makeup is just amazing. Um, but let, let's let's go ahead. We're going to get into now. Um, it, it's going to be the first set of some of our lovely hosts throughout many podcasts telling their scariest stories ever. And on the other side of that, we're going to come back with our number three and number two top horror movies of all time. It's the Snapchat extraordinaire, the itch you need to get, Fame Black. The scariest moment in my life, I'm going to tell you right now. Listen. I was walking home. I was walking home at night. Just a regular kind of night. And I lived in a really nice neighborhood. And I was, I was walking home from my friend's house. And, uh, you know, his it was in the suburbs, so... Everybody had big yards, and he lived in like a, uh, an even more upper echelon part of the suburbs. So they had really big yards, and with really big yards come really big dogs. So I'm walking, you know. I left when it was still the light was still out, but it was slowly going down, and it even gone like it was dark by the time. And this is not a place where the street lights. These are not the place where the street lights come on. So this is I'm I'm about 15 years old and I'm walking. And I'm, I don't have far to go. And I know that people have dogs and I can't see. So I'm just walking and walking and I know I'm walking down the sidewalk in somebody's yard and then you just hear <laughs> And then you're like, "Oh shit." So I like try to walk in the middle of the street. So maybe, you know, I won't run into any dogs. It's like you just don't want them yelling, barking all up at the fence. So I'm walking and walking and walking. And it's like the worst, the worst house on the block for this. Like, yeah, they had a fence, but the fence was so small. Plus, if the dog was really smart, he would just jump over the little fence onto the neighbor's yard and then run out that way. 
Like, it was not a secure system. And I saw it every day, and I would always cross the street because I did not want to be there when that dog figured out that he can just jump over this very tiny... It was almost like... It was like a decorative fence. It was like a fence for... for uh, it had little gnomes on it. Like, they were painting a fence that was, like, their size. Like, the dog can easily, like, walk over it. You understand what I'm saying? And then that person had no fence. So the dog could have got out. It was very easy. Anyway. It's late. And it's dark. And there's no light. And there's nobody out. And I'm walking past this house. And I hear him. And I look. I see this dog, and he's ready. But I also see he's got a chain on the leash. So he's got a chain. I mean, he's got the collar, and the chain is on his collar, and the chain is tied up to uh, the the railing of the steps. So I'm like, all right, oh, calm down. I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. And I walk across the street, and he's and he's big. He's a big dog. I'm talking about this is like. He's a pit bull, but he's huge. He's massive. He's on steroids. And I look at it, and his teeth are baring, and his mouth is he's salivating, the dripping out. And all I hear is the chains. And then I just hear. Cling, 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 cling. And his dog is free and he jumps he figures out what i always knew he would figure out and he starts running towards me it's the scariest scariest more i started running i took off i knew that i did not have a chance so i jumped on the first car that i could my heart is beating so fast as it turns out um the owner was pretty on it uh the owner did not let the dog even leave the yard see i didn't hear when he came out and uh, called the dog, and the dog is so well trained that it just stopped. See, I didn't, I didn't catch none of that. So, to him, uh, I would just took off down the block and then jumped on a car. Uh, but uh, it was the scariest moment of my life, just looking at him and thinking that everything was cool, and then for it to switch on me so fast. Scariest moment of my life. I think about it to this day. Hi folks, so this is the Andrew Bellow, and I have a story about when I was scared as a child terribly, and uh, I figured I'd share it, because CEO asked for such a story, and I happen to have a couple, but this one, I'll, I'll roll with this one in this instance. Uh, I, When I was younger, I had a friend who lived next door, significantly older, five, six years, our moms were best friends, we lived right next door, like, we hung out a lot. I'm maybe five, six, seven years old in that neck of the woods, he's much older, and uh his name's matt matt was very into horror movies and we watched a movie one night and he used to like kind of make me watch them and they would scare me but not so much like i'd kind of just draw my attention to other places and you know not focus on it too much it was never like mean spirited we were all hanging out and he wanted to watch the movie and i thought i was old enough to handle it so one night we're watching a movie and there's uh basically i still have no idea what movie this is so if you can tell me by all means but there's a i guess a dad in a you know, suburban home going to get his uh midnight snack and he goes to uh to the fridge and he opens up the fridge and you kind of hear the back door just kind of creaks and falls and all of a sudden like the dad turns around and there's just this monstrous figure standing in the doorway 
and he pulls out like a, I don't even know, like a wire hanger of sorts, sticks it up the dad's nose, pulls the brain right out of the nose, and then, like, you don't see all of this, but the visual I can remember the most is at the end of it, there's like a fruit bowl where the, the monster or killer in this instance puts the now detached brain in this fruit bowl like just amongst all the other fruit so the next morning like the mother wakes up and sees this but the the brain in the fruit bowl and i'm like six years old and i cannot process this i'm terrified i go running out of the room you know needless to say like my you know like our our moms had a nice talk and his mom had a nice talk with him and it's, you know this is clearly not appropriate content for him nonetheless a six-year-old but it, it was terrifying. And so every time I ever had to wake up and go to the bathroom or something like that, like late at night, like I was scared for a long ass time. And uh, luckily, you know, obviously I got over that. But yeah, that's that's my story. I exposed to a terrible, awful horror film at a very young age. And it, it did affect my uh, my nightlife as a seven, eight, nine year old, uh, you know, trying to sneak out of bed and grab a cookie or go to the bathroom and. Yeah, I, it, it definitely made me think twice. So that's my story, and I'm sticking to it. Uh, I'm not Colin Quinn. I'm the Andrew Bellow. And uh, yeah, I'll, I'll talk to you guys soon. Peace. All right, we're back. Uh, Fame, it's your turn to start this one off. What is your okay. number three horror movie of all time? All right, so uh, I know... I've shared publicly on different podcasts across the board, people who are familiar with me, that I am scared to death of raccoons. Uh, th- I mean, that has nothing to do with the next, but I'm also scared of having missing body parts. So number three is the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Uh, man, I, uh, I, can't, <laughs> I, I can't deal with being chainsawed out. Like I, the, That thought alone freaks me out a little bit. So to see a whole movie about it, and, and whether you're talking about the original or the remake with Jessica Biel's fat ass, and I mean, like, you know, P-H-A-T, because uh, she's not fat. She's quite fit. Uh, that isn't even enough. Like, that... Those movies together are still scary. Like, the, the, the 1968 one and the 2003 one, I mean, 1967? What? It doesn't matter. With the old one and the new one, they're both equally scary to me because the idea freaks me out. The whole... Texas family on their own farm that don't know like I, that that scares the hell out of me southern hicks and stuff scare me deliverance scare me and getting hacked to pieces scare me so it's all there like that mm, Texas Chainsaw Massacre Leatherface for the for the number three slot all right I, I love that pick that it didn't make my list of top five but it definitely be in my top 10 uh and Leatherface is is just he's a dope villain but Colin we're gonna get over to you what's your number three I'm actually uh, stroking my little Leatherface uh, plush doll that I have right now after you said that. But uh, number three for me is a movie that I found on Netflix uh, maybe a year or two ago. It's called 13 Sins. Um, It's about a guy who's pretty much out on his luck. um, And he gets a phone call um, just out of the blue. And the person, like, knows all about his life, knows that he's just gotten married, uh, needs this money, is down and out on his luck, and proceeds to tell him that if, if he wants to play this game on the phone, um, he's got to do what he's, what the person tells him to on the phone. Um, and it starts out with an easy instruction. Hey, for 20 bucks, kill the fly that's in the car with you. The guy kills the fly. He gets a text message that $20 is in his bank account. Then it starts to just go up and up and up. I mean, there's one scene where he has to go and take a man that has killed himself 
to a, a diner and have a cup of coffee with this diner. And of course, while he's at this diner, the cops come in and he's I mean, it's it's a whole like mind fuck of a movie that that you really have to watch and check. I mean, it's 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 a great movie and it was shot in 2014. Um, it's called 13 Sins. I don't think I've ever seen that. So now you how far, that gave me, awesome. Basically, yeah. basically, how far would you go to to make money? And and this guy doesn't know, but he also has somebody that's playing the game against him. And if this Wait person completes, I all, have seen that movie. That's the one where yeah. is it the 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 younger guy? I can't remember. He's maybe I'm thinking of a movie that has a similar plot, but like someone keeps calling him on the phone and telling him to do different things, and like at the end of the movie. I can't. I, it sounds familiar though, but I have to look into. Oh uh, well, spoiler alert! At the uh, to to help you along with it, um, at the end of the movie, the uh, it's him and his brother, who's like disabled and handicapped, um, have been going against each other the whole entire time, and uh, oh. he ends up killing his brother and killing Ron Perlman and killing everybody and losing all the money. Yeah, I, I, that's that is. I've seen that movie. That's exactly the movie that I saw. I saw, like you said, I think on Netflix one day because. Like I said, I love horror movies, so I literally just sit around and watch horror movies when I'm bored. I've seen it. It's also, um, the 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 black girl from True Blood was in Rutina Wesley, I think. So yeah, I think that's I, his wife. Yeah, I think that's his wife in the yeah, movie. Yeah, yeah, I've seen that movie for sure. Um, crazy, crazy fame. Anything to say on Thirteen Sins before I get into my number three? Uh, that sounds fantastic. I can't wait to watch it tomorrow. <laughs> Absolutely, my number three. <sighs> And I know I already know some people are going to go crazy. That this it's this low on my list because it's, it's one of the best movies of all time. The Shining. I love this yeah. movie. Uh, Jack Nicholson. This was I believe this was the first movie I ever saw Jack Nicholson in as a kid. And then to see him play the Joker later on, I was just like, wow. Uh, but yeah, The Shining is definitely my number three. Just everything about this movie. Literally everything about it. It's so memorable. It's so creepy. Um, Jack Nicholson played the hell out the role. I, I've never read the book. I've only, I'm only based off the movie. So anyone who wants to pull that book crap out on me, I don't know. But, uh, the twins in this movie still give me creeps to this day. And when my twin sisters were born, there was a, there was a while there that I was a little afraid of them. But so yeah, the shining is definitely my number three. You know, what's funny is that it's so iconic. It's been parodied so much that by the time that I had seen The Shining, the real Shining, uh, as I was maybe like an older teenager, 18, 19, or whatever like that, by the time I had seen it, I had already seen The Simpsons parody it, Tiny Toon Adventures parody it, uh, Matt TV, Saturday Night Live, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, and all types of different TV shows and formats and different scenes. And I basically felt like I had seen the movie through all these other characters. So it never really stuck with me. Like, I can appreciate it for a good movie, but not as a scary thing, because I've already seen too many people make light and fun by the time I had seen the movie. Yeah, and that's, it's so iconic. And l- let me let me get into this. And this is it's not really the same uh, as far as like you, you saying you've seen the parodies, but I'm going to go ahead and bury the lead right now. Um, the mm-hmm. Exorcist is not on my list, and that is partly because. The Exorcist, I truly hold in almost like the gold standard. Like it's almost above being able to be ranked for me because when I saw that movie, it was legitimately the creepiest thing at seven <laughs> years old that I had ever seen in my life. There was there, there was a while where I couldn't even look at the cassette tape box. I could not do that. 
Um, and I've only seen it the one time. I've not even as an adult have I ever went back and saw that movie because I was scared completely shitless by that movie. Which some people may hear and be like, "Well, shouldn't that make it your all time?" No, because it traumatized my ass. So no, I don't get any enjoyment. <laughs> this, the the things that I put on my list are movies that I get enjoyment out of. I got no enjoyment out of watching The Exorcist. I'm sure it's a great movie, but I, I I don't even know if I saw the ending of it. I still don't know if I've ever seen the end of The Exorcist because it scared me that goddamn much. <laughs> So true, true story. But let's get into our number two, Colin. What you, what do you got? Number two. Uh, for me, um, number two would be um, House of a Thousand Corpses. Ooh, um, it's a movie directed by Rob Zombie. Um, it's just a great movie of some two couples that their their car runs out of gas and they think they're getting help, and they end up running into some backwood psychos that fame doesn't want to run into. Um, mm-mm, mm-mm. It's nope. It's almost like a modern Texas Chainsaw Massacre, but instead of one villain pretty much killing everybody, it's a whole family, like a whole menagerie of people killing people. Um, and shouts out to my fellow Kai-Fi fraternity brother, Chris Hardwick, for starring in the movie. <laughs> mm-mm, mm-mm. No, no, like that. It should be on my list because it scares me to death. But no, it traumatizes me. Like Hayes said, no Southern people. No, mm-mm. I mean it's not. I don't dislike the South at all. Don't get me wrong, but that Southern hick make you squeal like a pig, boy. I'm scared to death. This family just freaked me out, though. Like it, I know the Texas Chainsaw Massacre stuff and, and everything that goes on with that family, but this family in general just freaked me out. Like the they had like supernatural things with them. They just it. The way they got these kids and the way that you thought these kids were going to escape and at the very end, the, the girl gets captured again. Um, just just a great horror movie all the way around. And it still freaks me out to this day. I can respect that. Bang, what's your number two? My number two is a movie that we mentioned before. And as I've mentioned before, I do not like hacking body parts off. Uh, Saw... Uh, is the epitome of that, right? In, in in the in the main in the main movie, and here's here's the thing about Saw that gets me though. I really like it and I like to enjoy it, and and it's scary. But you know, I like to think that any test where I don't have to hack myself apart or like say my daughter, I'm pretty sure I'm going to pass that test. Now that room that movie would have been about two minutes long if I was a doctor. They'd be like, "Fame, your job is." To kill the other guy in a room. And that is the end. Like I, I feel like I would be like I don't want to play around in a jigsaw trap. Because the longer you stay is the more you get tortured. But that's that they scared me to death. It was a great twist. They they killed three and four, but I feel like five and six and seven, they were solid movies, and I'm excited to see the new jigsaw movie. I mean, I know y'all think it's gonna be murder porn, but there's a lot of like I mean they like I told you they they completely ab- abandoned the plot on on three and four, but when they got it back, they got it back. It's a solid story. He's a scary dude. And I think that the, the next one is going to help that along. I don't think it's just going to be more torture porn. However, in Hollywood, if you just come up with a creative, if they come up with like five creative ways to kill somebody, you can just throw that into a solo movie. So, Fame, you don't like seeing body parts get hacked off. Is uh, Mighty Python Search for the Holy Grail really scary for you? <laughs> oh no! I mean, you know, he's all cool about it. <laughs> if he's cool about it, there's no reason for me to be cool about it. Uncool about it. I mean, the dude's still alive, trying to bite his ankles after he leaves, and his head cut off. Right, it's right up there with um, 
was that Mustafa from uh, from Austin Powers? You shot me! You shot me right in the arm! Why would you? Oh, you shot me again! Like it's just if you cool with it, I'm cool with it. <laughs> All right. So my number two is Psycho by Af- Alfred Hitchcock. Ooh, man! I-, I already mentioned, you know, how the movie and it 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 wasn't like a uh, scream in the sense that you know. Um, the main character died very early on. I mean, we spent a lot of time with her before she finally died. I think what she was in maybe the first 45 minutes of the movie, we saw her steal the money and um, do all that. So, you know, Janet Lee on top of that was just a beautiful woman. And to see her as soon as she decides, hey, I'm going to go take the money back. And then she gets, she gets murdered while she's in the shower. And then the twist, like, I don't know, and I would have to be correct. I mean, this movie came out in 1960, but I would have to think this was probably one of the first movies that had a twist of of the kind where you thought that the killer was his mother and turns out the guy's just crazy as hell and he's dressing up as as his mother killing people. Just a great movie, a great film. And it almost transcends horror because this is just a great movie by one of the great directors of our time. I was gonna I was gonna say the exact same thing. It's it's like I said with Get Out. It's not so much that I'm scared, especially as somebody who creates content um, and writes horror stories and has shot small, uh, you know, little films and things like that. When you see the way he shoots it, and and then you realize that's like that's how they do that today. He started that, like the twist ending, like oh the twist that he's crazy all along. If you play that today, it's kind of corny. But that was the first time like they, you know, that's that's the classics. Oh, he's crazy. Oh, my God. I never saw that coming. And Alfred Hitchcock was the man at, at, at that suspense. I mean, he you waited so long for that kill. And a boy's best friend is his mother. And that ending that in him just sitting there like it. it oh, man, it's, it's just this is just such a great film. Any, any thoughts on the movie Psycho, Colin, before we go ahead and get into our next? Oh, break? I mean, it's. Like like you said, some of these movies I couldn't put on my list because they're just they're a little too iconic. You know what I'm saying? Like uh, I mean, I could easily come on here with my top five list and have, you know, Psycho, The Shining, uh, some of these other movies that we've mentioned today. Um, just it again, even the remake was a great movie with Anne Heche as the uh, lead character. Oh yeah, for sure. It, yeah, it's it's just a great movie, great film, and, and you know, for anyone, I hope if you're listening to this episode, you've at least seen it. But if for, by chance you haven't because you don't like black and white or whatever your reasons, just go and see this movie. I, I almost guarantee if you like the genre, you'll love this movie. Uh, we're gonna head and get into our our next break. Get a couple of more personal scary stories before, in there before they before they go. Fun uh-huh. fact, very fun fact: Psycho was the first movie ever to feature a toilet flusher. Really? Wow! <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> fame coming in facts the, from Fame Black with the with the random trivia. But let's get into our next set of uh, scary stories, and then on the other side of that, we're gonna get into our top horror movies of all time. So Colin Weissong here for the Awakened Soul uh, scary story that Hayes wanted us to do. Um, Shortly after my first year of college, I was uh, at home July 4th. My parents had gone to the beach and I I was suddenly awoken by voices kind of outside of my bedroom, uh, kind of where my bedroom was in my parents' house. 
Uh, there was a door right beside my bed that went to the outside. But we didn't really use that door all that much. Um, but we used like the living room part of the area where I stayed at uh, to go inside and out. So I figured maybe it was just my friends, you know, waking me up to let me in, to, to tell me to let them in on the other side. So I kind of wake up and I'm laying in bed, and I hear all of a sudden a, a crack, and this arm just reaches in through like the window that is literally like two feet from my head, like I could have. Like, they could have reached down and touched me uh, if they wanted to, like, touched my head. Um, and they were trying to unlock the door that was right beside my bed. And luckily, where they had broken the door, the window, um, they could only get the door lock and the lock immediately above it. Way high, high above the door was a lock at the top that they couldn't reach. So it's his arm, it's a white arm, just fumbling around trying to lock the door. It goes back out. And at this point in time, I've kind of rolled out of bed quietly um just kind of watching this unfold uh they have no clue that i'm inside the house like uh <laughs> i'm looking around my room for like a knife um something that i can like hurt them with cut them with so if they went to the er um with kind of like oh i got cut like this big deep wound on my arm we could easily tell the cops that that was the guy that tried to break into my house and i couldn't find anything um, except for a lone white steel chair. And this is a shoot. Uh, the, the only thing in my room was a steel chair. Um, so it's turned back around. This arm is still kind of flailing in and out, trying to unlock the door, trying to come into my house, trying to rob me. Um, and I just, I take this, this steel chair and I turn that son of a bitch sideways and I jam it straight into that, that white person's arm. And they pull the arm out and they run like hell. And I've never seen a white person run this fast. I mean, they, they probably ran faster than Usain Bolt because by the time I was able to get up the stairs to look out the window to see who this person was, they were gone. And, and again, the way my house sits, um, it's, it's in a cul-de-sac, it's in a creek. You have to run somehow by this window that I'm looking out at. Like, there's no way that he would have beaten me to, to get to this window. Um, they were gone. Um, so yeah, that was... That was pretty much that that story as well. Um, I don't know if it's so. It was more adrenaline rushing for me. It's probably really scary for the motherfucker that I slammed that steel chair into his wrist very hard. Um, God, there I was. There were moments in time where I was thinking, you know, I should grab this person's wrist. Um, if I had handcuffs, I would have uh, handcuffed the person maybe to the door, um, and then to myself maybe or. Uh, one of my friends came over afterward, and the way the door kind of opens up, the door opens up into the room. So I could have opened the door, like kind of unlocked the door and allowed them to open it. And they would have opened it and not seen me behind the door. And as they would have come back out, I could have hit them with a baseball bat. Um, but unfortunately, I didn't have a baseball bat because I would have hit them with the baseball bat and not the steel chair. Uh, so yeah, so uh, that's, I guess that's it for my scary story. What's up, everybody? It's your boy AT2 here. I wanted to tell y'all uh, one of the scariest things or a scary story that happened to me. Um, I actually had a few, but um, this one I don't mind sharing. <laughs> the other ones I'm going to keep to myself. But um, when I was 13 years old, I think my brother was about like uh, 10 because he's three years um, younger than me, right? 
we were in the house my mom had went to the store or something like that and we were at in the house by ourselves and um she lived in this apartment and it's so weird because her balcony was actually like connected to like the downstairs so anybody could come up the stairs to the back patio which i don't know why they built it like that but whatever so anyway I was watching TV and I just got like this eerie feeling. Mind you, this was like late at night. And I just remember like thinking I heard something outside, but then I looked outside and I didn't see anything. So I was like, okay, let me go. And my brother was in the room. So I was like, let me go check on my brother. So I went to check on him. Everything was cool. And then all of a sudden I heard here like this boom, boom. Like somebody's like, throwing something at the patio the back door and i'm like what the hell is going on and like my first instinct was just to be like okay i told my brother go ahead and hide in the closet because i was like if anything i want my little brother because you know you're supposed to t protect your uh younger sibling so i was like okay if anything i'll make sure my brother is good so i told him to hide in the closet please so I ran and got the phone, uh, called 911, because I didn't know who was at the back door. So I got here, boom, boom. And I'm all like, what the hell's going on? So finally, um, I called 911 and I was like, you know, somebody's trying to break in, you know. Um, <laughs> I was like, can you come? Can you hurry up? You know, get here. And they're like, well, you know, we don't have anybody available right now, but, you know, tell us what's going on and we'll try to help you. That's when I learned there's a difference between uh, when you call 911 in the hood and when you call 911 in the suburbs, because in the suburbs, they definitely would come right away. But when you in the hood, they don't give a damn. Mind you, we're little, you know, I'm like a teenager and my brother's still, you know, a kid. And I was scared as hell because I never experienced anything like this. Well, I kept like hearing boom, boom. And then finally there was one more boom and that's when you hear the glass shatter. Luckily, it wasn't like any kind of crazy murderer or something. It was actually one of my mom's friends. Um, and she was mad at my mom about something. So she was trying to break in and like just toss shit um she basically went in the kitchen was like throwing shit around and you know i just remember saying to her because like i didn't know what she was gonna do or she had a weapon on her i was just all like you know if anything just don't hurt us you know leave my brother alone at least and she was like i don't want to hurt y'all i want your mom da 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 and it, the shit was like crazy to me because i've never been in that situation where somebody's like actually breaking in to the apartment and it's just me and my little brother and my first instinct was like okay do i try to reason with her or do i try to fight her like it was just so many emotions that you know a lot of people will say like oh i would have done this da 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 but i understand like when you're in the actual moment you don't know what to do and especially this was like my mom's ex-friend so i wasn't expecting like you know her to do anything to us but you just never know so she ends up leaving or whatever she was only there the shit happened so fast i barely even like remember the actual interaction that we had but 
just just that moment was like the scariest thing because it's all like okay what if that would have been a killer or something then mind you the cops didn't show up until two hours later like they didn't even take the shit seriously it was it was horrible um anyway you know my mom ended up coming back home i called my mom let her know what was going on and everything like that told her i called 911 um granted you know thank god everybody was okay but just having that experience and really realizing that you know when you uh this was in oakland california if you know anything about oakland you know realizing that okay there is a difference between when the cops come in the nice neighborhoods and when the cops are there in the not so good neighborhoods that slow response that you get and uh that's one of the scariest um experiences that i had so yeah thank you so much for letting me share that all right this is adam jalabas here you may know me as the voice of america with the wwpn podcast network um here's a little ghost story today hayes asked uh some people involved with the network to come up with what their scariest experience was uh, mine just happens to be a true-to-life incident. Um, so anyway, I moved down here with uh, my mother. I was probably you know, nine or ten. We moved down. We moved into a house, and um, you know, we we wound up getting a dog, and um, we kept him crated. And like, it's one of those where it's like one of those weird sub levels where it's like you go through the garage to get to the basement, and um, we kept him in the garage at night when we'd sleep in a crate and um, my responsibilities were I would wake up in the morning and while everybody was getting ready I would go let him outside and um, get him fed and everything and you know this is routine so one day I go downstairs and you gotta keep in mind I mean this is a garage it's got all brick walls you know no open windows it was you know probably late fall at this point um, you know there's ventilation but even at that age, you can distinguish what ventilation and a clear voice sound like. Now, I never liked the basement there. I never liked the garage there. It's, I was, had weird feelings about places like that, and I didn't go down there unless I had to. Well, it was validated on this day. Um, I went downstairs, and I unhooked this crate, and uh, clear as day, a male voice that I had never heard before in my life spoke behind me close to the garage door and simply said hey um I felt like my voice dropped completely out of my I mean it was my or my my heart just like dropped out of my body like I it just like a feeling of dread and fear swept over me I looked at the dog in some like lunacy I looked at him like maybe he said it he's looking behind me at this point with his head cocked to the side and even at, I, I was probably, I would have to say, 11 years old. 11 or 12 years old at this point. And, um, I fucking bolted as fast as I could up those steps with the dog behind me running just as hard. Um, we, I ran upstairs. My mom was in the bathroom. I fucking kicked through that door, hysterically crying. Um, they're wondering why the dog's upstairs. Um, you know, dog's freaking out. I mean, I shit myself. I mean, I was not, not literally, but pretty much figuratively. It was horrifying. And to this day, I never have, every now and then I, I 
dump back on that, I think about it, I'm like, what was that? You know, because I am, I'm a bit of a skeptic. I mean, I can't definitively say I believe or I disbelieve, but that day got me thinking a little bit, especially with the stories that I heard later on from family members and stuff and how like casual they were about it. So I don't know if this is, you know, just, I don't know. I, I don't even, I've never really thought too much into it, but every now and then I'll visit it. I'm like, what could that have been? Because my neighbors were old and not just like, older like they were they were old old people they don't sound like this um this was just a clear voice that just said hey um and i, I just never felt comfortable ever again down that basement that garage you know we lived there for a few more years before moving out and it just never sat well with me um being down there and um later on i come to find out that uh my brother used to sit in his room and stare at the ceiling and say when he was really young he's seven years younger than me and um, he used to lay on his bed and stare up at the ceiling when my mom would be like changing his diaper or putting clothing on him and saying hey mom look there's the funny man look at him he's so funny look there he is there he is yeah imagine being a parent and fucking hearing that from a kid um you know she I, I brought this up to her a few years ago actually and she said you know what's funny is i never told you this when we lived there but um she said she'd be laying in bed and there was like a little staircase that went up to their room and she said she used to see shadows on the staircase you know in the, in the illuminated light from the television she used to see shadows going up you know kind of like looked like they were walking up the steps and um you know, so that's two rooms, well, three rooms to include the basement that experience. I never had any experiences in my room. I never had any experiences outside of that in that house, but that was just kind of one of those things that was kind of, you know, I don't think I'm ever going to forget that once. That is the most scared I've ever been in my entire life. I was fucking terrified. I have not felt anything like that before. Um, yeah, that was, that was freaky. It's just one of those things where you feel, um, so helpless in that situation and you know this is probably 6 30 in the morning so like why would somebody be saying hey around my basement where all the windows you know what i mean it's just one of those things where just none of it makes sense the only thing that makes sense to me is that something you know something was there i don't know maybe there's a scientific explanation for it but it was clear as day right behind me same room i mean it's indistinguishable so that's my story. I'm sticking to it. I hope you enjoyed it. Once again, this is Adam Drabblebiss, and uh, I'll see you later. All right. And so we are back, fellas. We're back to talk about our number ones, the best horror movies of all time. Fame, I couldn't think of anyone better to lead this one off. I have to know what's the top one on your list. What's your number one? All right. So the thing that really thrills me is what's real, what's not real. And the the beautiful thing is that this movie was mentioned like way down at the bottom, but he is the all time man. And you can say that the movies got cheesy down the line and they got corny, but he always kept his realness about him. He loved what he did. He's having fun. He's genuinely scary whether or not those movies are hokey like i if you put yourself in the scenario it makes it scarier to me that he plays with you so much and makes so many jokes and he's classic iconic you gotta love him the nightmare on elm street the springwood slasher freddy krueger is, is my number one the nightmare on elm street the first one of course here's where it gets like where it gets surreal for me is that i am a child and just like you said hayes i, I walked in 
or my mom watching this movie. And here's the thing. She was asleep. So I just walked in and nobody said, hey, you might not want to watch this. And I stood there, maybe four years old, and I watched this movie and I was scared to death because I couldn't go to sleep because I had nightmares about Freddy. And then my mom is like, that's just a dream. Don't worry about it. But it's like, yeah, but that's what they said. Somebody's going to die. Like it, <laughs> it, it was it was like a, a parallel thing I couldn't get out of. And it's like, if my daughter ran to me and said, Dad, I turned to Freddy Krueger. He's coming to kill me. And look, look, look. I'd be like, relax. It's just a dream. But how do I know? I'm now, I'm the parents who don't know shit about Freddy Krueger. And they leave their children at risk. It's, it's. It's scary, it's surreal, and I love I just love the idea. He can play with you in your dream. He takes your worst fears and exploits them and 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 you either have to man up and face your fears or you die. And that's just that's right right back to Jigsaw and why that scares me. I like the fact that that's thrilling to me. So Freddy Krueger for the win, man. And the glove? Psh, iconic shit, man. Yeah, that that's one of those things that you can show almost anyone in any country the Freddy Krueger glove, and they automatically know where what it's from. So yeah, definitely iconic. Colin, what's your number one? Um, I'm gonna change my honorable mention just to throw this movie out there. Pitch Black. Um, Ooh, yeah. it's a Vin Diesel movie. It kind of starts the road of Riddick if you don't know what that is, but it's also got one of the greatest twist endings of a scary movie. Um, it's really good. You never know what's gonna happen. But my number one on our scary top five would be Hellraiser. Um, from, from the moment that you see the dude sit down with the box, open it up, and Pinhead and the rest of the Cenobites come out from hell and rip this man apart, only to have this man's ex-lover and brother move into their house and him contact them to try to have them bring him back to life. And how do you bring this man back to life? You have to bring people and murder them on the mattress that he died on. And throughout the movie, Pinhead and the Cenobites make appearances. This movie, like House of a Thousand Corpses, I sit down and think about watching it, and I just get freaked out. <laughs> yeah, that's that's like me with, with The Exorcist. One of these days, I'm going to go back with The Exorcist and watch it with my kids so I can scar them like I was scarred. Um, you got to pass that down. It has to be generational. But no, I, I agree with you with Hellraiser. Hellraiser is a and I think I only like the first two, I believe. Yeah, it's only the first couple ones. Yeah, yeah. They start like again, they all get hokey. Yeah, yeah that, they get that's just hokey. one of the that's just one of the downsides of horror movies in general. It's like it, they almost have to get hokey just by the sense of okay, you can only see the same person killing people so many times before it just it either goes into murder porn or it gets hokey. Um, well, but, I think I think the idea behind it is like. You're not going because you're so scared of the character. You're going because you love the character, and now they're kind of hamming it up for you. True, true, you're yeah, right. true. He comes the he he becomes the face of the movie. So right. yeah, he he is he is he's like a stone cold of the movie. Yeah, you you hate his guts. You hate seeing him kill everybody. But God, he's so fucking badass. <laughs> Absolutely, um, and he's really the only character that you get attached to. Like he, they get they show you his backstory. They do the vignettes on him. Like you know. You, you really get to learn this character. Yeah. As opposed yeah. to like the teens you know for like two seconds and all they know is like, yeah, man, new drugs and let's have sex. And then you're like, yeah, yeah you deserve to die. And then Jason comes along and picks you up in a sleeping bag and slams you against a tree. <laughs> oh, God. Jason. Uh, what is it? Jason X. Fuck that movie. Jason um, X. Yeah. Damn, oh, he's God. good. 
He's done with the campers already. <laughs> now he's killing holograms. Oh, man. That movie was just... Anyway, uh, my number one horror movie of all time is the classic. It, it, it's it's Halloween. Halloween is my number oh, wow. one. Uh, I love that movie. I love Michael Myers. I love, like, I, I've watched so many, like, um, documentaries on the making of Halloween. Like, that's how far my love into Halloween goes. It's it's just a great movie. Uh, I love the fact that until the second one, you don't know why this guy comes in and starts killing people. Like, you have no idea. It's not explained at all. Of course, in further movies, they go on and explain his backstory. But at least in this one movie, he just comes, he shows up. And he starts wrecking house. And I love it. I love everything about this movie. I love seeing it in black and white. Um, It's just everything about this movie for me. Uh, The story of the mask. The fact that, you know, they didn't know what they wanted to do with the killer. And and I think it was a director's assistant picked up a William Shatner mask. And they doctored it up. And that mask has now become iconic. And it's everything about this movie. Um, The ending, dope. I even love the second one. I love probably the first Halloween three was just not even anything to do with this. Does series, that count? Yeah, it doesn't <laughs> count. Halloween. I would say Halloween one, Halloween two, H two O are my are my favorites of this series. And these didn't ever get hokey. Like I honestly, the 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 whole Halloween series. I my uh, freshman year roommate. They had Buster Rhymes he, doing karate. Well, yeah, that's, yeah, that's you know, I mean, that's that's modern day stuff. But throughout pretty much the whole series until they got to like our generation, it, it wasn't all that hokey. Um, I, my roommate well, in college, right. he loved the shit. He loved the Halloween series, and that's how I got indoctrinated into it. So you're giving it like such a pass because you got to remember three was like a what the fuck is that? That was the Emelina right there. Like it just showed up for one second, unrelated to the story, unrelated to Michael Myers. And it's just like, hey, we're Halloween three. It's like, what? How did what? <laughs> and then Halloween four came back. And was like, no, never mind. It's me, Michael Myers again. And all I'm I, part of some cult. Yes. All <laughs> I remember was, about that movie was that they had, uh, like, it was like kids' heads turned into like worms and maggots and like flies, wasn't it? Some something weird like yeah, that. Yeah, it was like witches telling stories or something. Yeah, it was like, like that. the witches. Yeah, it was something about the witches. Oh man, yeah, screw so, all that. <laughs> so that, and then. Uh, you know, then he was part of some cult where, you know, it was like he was the leader of the cult. It was weird. And then Buster Rhymes was and Buster Rhymes came on SmackDown and The Rock was like, I gotta ask you, Bus, do you get killed in this movie? And Buster Rhymes was like, Man, hell no. And I'm like, Oh well, they ruined that. <laughs> Come on, he he front kicks uh Michael Myers like he like threw a wall or through a door or something like that. Come on, bust a bus. <laughs> <laughs> No, God. I can believe that. I can believe that now more than I could back then when Buster Rhymes weighed but a buck oh five. He could compete oh. on 205 Live. Buster Rhymes now is big. Now I would believe it. Well, he learned how to fight in the Def Jam games. <laughs> Buster Rhymes couldn't get his leg up that high nowadays. Um, <laughs> but but yeah. at least it would have a lot more force to it. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Well, guys, I do have, we're going to take another brief break. And I do want to ask you one bonus question before we go. And I want to know who your guys' top horror movie villain is. I'm going to get into a brief break. Uh, of course, we have to get into Gerald Cooper's uh, scary story, and his is by far the longest. So, tuck in, guys. And on the other side of that, you're going to hear us discuss our top horror movie villains uh, before we say goodbye. 
Hey everybody, my name is Gerald Cooper, and I am the host of the Hour of Honor on the Wrestling World Podcast Network. I'm also a frequent contributor here to The Awakened Soul. So, I am here today to talk to you about my scariest movie moment. There's something in that phrasing that's completely wrong, and it's probably a grammatical thing I need to correct in there as well. But I'm here to talk to you about the film that scared me the most. Actually, that's a lie, too. I'm here to talk about two films that scared me. And it's probably because I just don't have the ability to follow directions as they're given to me. So, the first film is The Exorcist. Now, if you're in my age group and demographic, The Exorcist is going to be somewhere on your top ten. And there's just a ton to unpack (laughs) when it comes to The Exorcist, but I'm going to try to keep it fairly brief for me anyway. So, looking back on it as an adult, um, it's not very scary. It's actually kind of hokey. And in all fairness... This film's over 30 years old. Um, we're at a point where the practical effects and special effects are just leaps and bounds um, away from where this film was. But at the time, and, and being a child, I can absolutely see where my where my fear came from. And it's you know the the relatability. Hey, I'm a kid, and that's a kid, and that could happen to me. Then there's probably the um, the religious aspect. If you're a religious person and you're watching this film, I could see how this would be terrifying because we're talking about immortal souls here, right? Ultimately, and the devil himself. It's not Jason. It's not Freddy. It's the big bad of all big bads. And he's taking the time out to grab your daughter, put her soul in hell. And he's being a dick. Like, when you really think about it, the devil is not... The devil's kind of organically a dick, right? When you really think about it. But he's being particularly dickish here. Because not only is he sending your daughter's soul to hell or wherever. He's using your daughter's body as a meat puppet. And he's making it throw up. And he's making it say some of the most foul business ever. And when it comes to the priesthood and some of the sexual stuff she was saying there there's all different kinds of stuff I can go to uh, I can go into with that but I'm not going to and then there's there's the there's the creep factor very very ominous film in total um there, there's a banality to it because the devil is coming to your home it's just just your house and he's in your bedroom and ultimately in, in, in your bed, all these sort of sanctuary places, all these places that we seek solace from the outside world, he's infiltrating. And ultimately, he's infiltrating the most personal space there is, your very body. Super creepy, super dark business. Uh, I haven't seen, I've only, now that I sit here and think about it, I've only seen the possession thing since The Exorcist done well in Penny Dreadful. And I don't know if anybody's watched that. Um, good show that kind of fell off in the last season. Tons of reasons for that. But um, Ava Green, who's probably one of the most beautiful women in Hollywood, uniquely beautiful women, her look is just all her own. 
And part of it is, is she's got these big, beautiful eyes. Oh my gosh, she's just incredible. If you've ever seen Casino Royale, if you've ever seen um, that garbage Miss Peregrine's movie, Tim Burton, Get Your Life Right. Um, she's just she's just this incredible, incredibly good-looking woman. But it's all in her eyes, right? So when she's doing her possession scenes and these things, and again, I, I watched this, I want to say last year, this, this is some I'm watching this like, man, this is this is fucked up. This is really bad. Um, she's lost a ton of weight. She's not a big woman to begin with. And her her face is sort of sunken in and um, emaciated. And her eyes are her eyes look particularly huge. And, and it's it really comes across as her not being in this vessel that is her body. It's um that I think that's in season one. That performance is is worth it. But she, but other than that, I haven't seen the possession thing done in a way where the performance is such that okay, there's not a person in that body anymore. Which which Linda Blair did um, expertly. I think she was like 16. I mean, she did the role or something like that. Maybe a little bit younger. Um, but 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 that's that's the whole um, the whole. That's everything when it comes to possession, where it's like that person isn't acting. That 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 person has gone someplace else, um, and there's literally something else in their body. And when you can buy that, that's when that works the most. So, uh, oh oh, and the other part of this story is that here in Philly, our our CBS channel affiliate, however, whatever the proper terminology is every year for a long long time the week of thanksgiving they would play the exorcist every year and every year it didn't matter what was on it did not matter what was on cbs the week of thanksgiving i wasn't watching cbs i i don't think i was watching tv as a kid i i you know two or three years of that you pick up on it and it's like man i don't want to run into this thing not like there was tv god or anything but i was a dumb kid so there you go so the other film um and, and for different reasons uh that really sort of had an impact and i was older i was 16 when it came out um it was hellraiser hellraiser was something altogether different and not not just in um not just as it relates to the exorcist but it was altogether different in horror um it was it was the big concept and and I love that it was there wasn't really heaven or hell after this there was something else and it wasn't fucking pleasant <laughs> you know it, it was um, it, like a great metaphor of um, what the, the seeking something and uh seeking pleasure in this case and finding something much more dark on the other side i was so messed up by hellraiser and 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 of course there were the visuals you are talking about some of today today i was 16 i'm 43 now do the math on that one today those those character designs that makeup uh the 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 costuming all that stuff holds up. Now, it, don't get me wrong. You go back and watch it today. A lot of it's um, when, when you get away from 
Pinhead and the Cenobites, a lot of that, a lot of that stuff's garbage. Um, there's a there's a monster effect that actually never really worked even in the film, and you know what I'm what I'm talking about there if you've ever seen the um, the film. But but when it comes to makeup, um, the the Hensons of the world, those guys have to be in awe of of that team because that stuff is still pretty um, pretty incredible. And there was there was a level of sexuality in Hellraiser, like that, you know, again, playing on um, uh, our, our, our mores about um, sex being bad and, and kink being worse, you know, uh, uh, they that that you would you would pay in many ways for your sexual proclivities. And, and, and again, as a kid, as a 16 year old kid, I, I didn't catch it. But, you know, those pinhead and the Cenobites were decked out in some S&M gear when, when, when you saw, them, you know, and, and that, that's what so much of that was with the the, the chains and, and, and the spikes. And, you know, I'm sure if I look close enough, there'd be some some paddles and some lube on those guys somewhere. It was it was just a very it was a very twisted vision on what the other side was and who we are as people and the things that we um, enjoy like like we're we're messed up and we're going to pay for that stuff I mean I, I'm, I'm sure that there are tons and tons of ways to read it but but that's where I um, that's where I, uh, I I fell on a lot of that stuff and <clears throat> the one of the the Depending on who you ask, one of the cool things is that um, there was such a lore to Hellraiser. They, they did a bunch of movies. Um, not all of them good, you know, but I think it was Hellraiser 4 where they went to the future and the guys in space and everything. And it's like, you know, you're listening to it, it's like, okay, dude, this is falling apart already. Why would you even bring this up? But it was the, the story was about the lineage of Hellraiser's box and, and the box was a sort of a portal to um the, the, this other world and it was a toy maker um who had made it and throughout the generations this we, we get to the far-flung future this guy wants to um he he, wa- he wants to restore his family's legacy by um destroying ultimately this portal and everything that's on the other side and while the, you know, at, at the time, the again, the visuals weren't all that great. But from a concept standpoint, that was a very, very good film. And I'm getting a little bit away from um, the, the scare part. Um, but yeah, ultimately, uh, those are the two, the two movies that probably scared me the most and had the most um the biggest the biggest sort of effect on me and horror uh like now i nothing nothing frightens me you know outside of jump scares every you know every now and then they get you with a you turn on turn off the light turn it back on something's there every now and then something gets you but um as far as like being really you know affected and terrified and mortified there's really just nothing um but i could go back and watch those those two films and and pretty much again not not be afraid now 
but um, but definitely understand why they had such an impact on me. And really, when you think about horror in total, um, these movies are kind of benchmarks um, for for the stuff that uh, for the stuff that followed. So that's it for me. Follow me at Gerald L. Cooper on Twitter. Check out the Hour of Honor and the Wrestling World Podcast Network. We are on Apple Podcasts and iHeartRadio. Be talking to you soon. All right, and we're back. Fellas, I I know I said we were just going to do our list, but this just literally came to me while we were recording, and I had to find some way to come back after after Coop's uh <laughs> dissertation on horror but um <laughs> part part two of this episode <laughs> <laughs> but so uh Conley, come to you first on this one what what's your your top horror movie villain uh i mean it's for me it's it's freddy um just the the like i mean fame pretty much said it i mean he kind of starts out in this first one as kind of this maniacal killer who has who has a few good puns but as the series goes on he is a mastermind. Uh, I mean, Robert England as an actor played oh, yeah. Freddy Krueger so great. Like that's. I mean, if you showed somebody a picture of Robert England, they're only going to know him as Freddy Krueger. Uh, being able to go inside of dreams, um, just being able to appear anywhere that you want to go. I mean, that that right there is probably one of the worst villains that you could go up against. I I agree with you there. You just gotta you gotta man up or die. Yeah, exactly. You got to learn how to fight in your dreams, like they did in the uh, the Dream Watcher movie, or the that whichever was, one. That, that did not I still go enjoyed well. that one. To do that. The Dream that Warrior got, movie. Yeah. That bitch got injected with like ten things of heroin. Don't do that. Don't learn how to fight in your dreams. That was terrible. Like, <laughs> just be real. Just be real with yourself. <laughs> like, Nancy. fame. Who's yours? I uh, people would think I'm gonna say Freddy, but this is a. I you know it's funny. I, I wish I kind of put this on my list, but. I, I couldn't explain it to you because it's so terrible. But he is one of the greatest villains to me. Is the Wishmaster. Oh, the and Wishmaster, yes. Oh, yeah. People only remember the one Wishmaster movie because there was only one in theaters. And it was great. And it has Robert Englund in it. And it, it, it's a great movie. He grants your wishes for your soul. It's so good. It's such a good idea. And here's the thing. They did three movies, like, direct-to-video, right? And they're, you know, they're shitty. They got shitty actors in them. But the plots are really good. One of them, like, he, he has to grant you three wishes. Once he grants you three wishes, whoever touches his gem or his box or his genie lamp or whatever, once he grants you three wishes, he, his, his people will come in and destroy the universe. But they always, he always gets foiled before the third wish is granted. So the girl didn't even know she was under the spell when she was making wishes. And the third wish was, I wish I could fall in love with you. And then he has to, like, what? How can I make her fall in love? Because he can't grant that with his magic. Because, as you know, the genie, you can't make people fall in love. So it was a whole thing. like, And that's a really interesting plot line. And it ended, it ended well. Like, Wishmaster is amazing. Plus, he got those cool dreads. Wishmaster might be the greatest villain because he can give you everything you want. And if you're not willing to give up everything that makes you, you'll lose. And so will the world. And he did it. kill the Candyman too. There were a lot of there were a lot of can- cameos in that movie. Oh yeah, he killed Candyman. He killed the Candyman too. Yeah, deep. Uh, well, obviously, as far as my number one, I think I it, it's clear who mine is, uh, and that would be Michael Myers. But just for the interest of of this list, I'm gonna have to 
do um a dual one and that is damon from the from the omen only because of we're we're all fathers here imagine if your kid was the fucking antichrist what would you do could you kill your own child to save the world That, that that that's just a conundrum that i think it's like any parent they it would probably like talking about it they would say oh yeah i, I would if, if my kid was obviously evil but i think if you're putting that predicament it's just so much no more to parents, parents yeah parents no, as a it, whole are dumb all right like we we, we, <laughs> we always would say that. no i'm serious we would say that but it's like well, as soon as like who do you think defends bullies you know what i mean oh your son's a bullying not my son what your, your son's kind of a sociopath what you think something's wrong with my son you the one with the problem motherfucker like so i like you know everybody knows that parent everybody knows those parents so no if somebody told you your child was pure evil, the Antichrist, you'd be like, "What, my baby? This came from my loins." Like you, you know, you would not, you would now, not believe it. I'm, I'm probably a little bit more of a realist. Um, the first time I saw my daughter's head turning 360, it would be holy water crosses and stakes all day. <laughs> like I'm not playing around with that shit. No, no, your head just went 360s. No, you're, you're done. You're, <laughs> you're not my child anymore. I think the real question. Sorry, is, Bailey. Sorry. I think the real question is, are they going to attack me? Am I in danger in this operation? Because if so, then yeah, you gotta go. But if not, uh, well, that is my baby. If you could control baby. it? Like, if you could control it somehow? Like, hey, she's a 10, don't murder her, please? <laughs> <laughs> Just have her do your bidding. Just have, like, a little demon running around doing your bidding. Listen to daddy. That is hilarious. Um, <laughs> but my uh, one that's right up there with Damien is Pennywise, and not even oh, from, yeah. not yeah. even from the new movie. I mean, he was he was kind of scary there too. Not and not even oh, from the old movie. In the new movie. Not even Don't from Bill. Bill. Oh, oh no, no, no! They're they're both great. Like him and Tim Curry did a great job. My, but the version of Pennywise I'm afraid of is the Pennywise from the book, because Absolutely. anything that can turn into your worst fear. I mean, like, just just think about it. It could be anything. And if your fears grow, if you grow out of being afraid of something, it can constantly be that most terrible fear. Um, of course, now as as adults, I mean, uh, I don't know if Pennywise can turn into debt, but I'm sure that that's pretty much <laughs> most adults' biggest fear. Uh, but yeah, I mean, Pennywise is just a, such a great villain, and he was acting in both movies, I think, very well. Uh, Bill Skarsgård, uh, I do want to give Skarsgård. him his props. He that that thing he does where he can make one of his eyes go one direction and another one a different one. I don't think that was CGI. I think that that's a talent he actually has, and that added that added so much to that character. Like especially when he was in the sewer, and you could just tell something was like off. Like it, Pennywise is such a great a great character and great villain. Anyone who who hasn't read uh, the It novel definitely go and read it, especially if you like either of the movies. Did we lose Colin? Ooh, I think so. He's not oh. responding. We we lost we lost Colin. Oh, Colin's he back. He might come back. He's back. So, no, no, I'm back. My computer <laughs> died. My computer died. Luckily, the phone was right there by my side. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, I just closed out on saying Pennywise and Damon. They're they're and that, right up there. You, you bring up a good point though, Hayes. Now that you're thinking about it, you're like, what would adults be scared of? So who's really the president then? Because is that what that Trump is? Is that Pennywise? Is that was? <laughs> oh man. I just solved it. How do I well, no, fight? No, that's Trump. It, like, if you're a Hispanic person in America, or you're like one of those dreamer 
is See. that's your worst nightmare is seeing Trump be in office because now you're probably going to get sent back to the country from where you came from. Right. So that's why I'm saying that's Pennywise. <laughs> that's messed up. Trump is, is illegal Pennywise. Alien Pennywise? <laughs> All right, fellas. Thank you so much for joining me for this episode on my favorite holiday. Go ahead and tell the people where they can find you. Colin, where can the good people find you? Uh, you can find me at Wrestling Redneck. That is R-A-S-S-L-I-N-R-E-D-N-E-C-K. And then I also have a personal Twitter account that's at Colin Weissong. Mr. Snapchat Extraordinaire, where can the good people find you? And especially, you know, your WCWs. Go ahead and play. I know you're going to plug it. Push it. <laughs> All right. Well, you can find me at Black F-A-M-E-B-L-A-C-K, on Twitter, Instagram, and of course Snapchat. See, the thing about Snapchat is I'm a Snapchat extraordinaire. Don't miss out on what 75,000 people already know. The Snapchat, the Fame Black Snap channel is the shit. And I have a podcast as well with my co-host AT2. It's called M Beta. Check it out on Google Play and iTunes. I'm one of those 75,000 and and it is a great follow. I'm also one of those 75,000, and yes, it is definitely a great follow. It definitely has the CEO Hayes and the Waking Soul stamp of approval. Go and check it out. <laughs> All right, fellas. Thank you, gentlemen. <laughs> well, I hope you guys have a good and enjoyable Halloween. Thank you again. And that is it. That is our Halloween special for the year 2017. Like I said, Halloween is legit my favorite holiday. So, I really hope you guys enjoyed it. I hope you got a lot out the podcast this week, um, especially the podcast that was released um, on Sunday, which was uh, Wise Words with Dr. Elise Ward. Um, this one was a lot more fun, so hopefully you guys enjoyed it. Uh, I hope each and every one of you guys have a safe Halloween. If you guys have kids, I hope your kids have a safe and uh, don't get too much candy or, or get a lot of candy, but you guys don't let them eat it all. Uh, nonetheless, it's Halloween. Uh, may the, the spooks and ghouls be with you guys all. I love each and every one of you. Follow me at CEO Hayes. That's at C-E-O-H-A-I-Z-E. And send us any email, questions, comments, concerns, feedback at theawakensoulpod at gmail.com. Thank you again. Peace. The Awakened Soul a podcast brought to you from the mind of CEO Hayes.